Hi everyone, this is Editor James from the future. You may remember in our last episode, we said the following. Before I post this, who do you think is a tentacle fish man out of all the team members? Pyra. The medic. No. So this fic is called Dominique by Life Finder. It is... The tag that drew caught my eye is Tentaspy. Tentaspy. Oh, okay. Oh my Christ! That probably would a have blue been spy is altered into a tentacled guild monster, guild water monster known as a Tentaspy. This fic evolves around the story of Dominique. Dominique, as gets used to his new body and existence, hiding in the canals of the well from the very team that altered and then tried to dispose of him. However, a certain new red engineer catches his eye. And the despairing tender spy fight. This is, this is the, the shape, shape of, of water. water but this is too. exactly oh. the shape of water, but with the spy and the engineer <laughs> from Team Fortress 2. Now, since recording that, we've actually heard from the author, Life Fighter, creator of Dominique, the fic that's a bit like Shape of Water. And first of all, they said some lovely things. I appreciate that they've listened. But they've also pointed out that they started writing the fic Dominique a whole eight years before The Shape of Water came out. So that means two possibilities exist. Either Life Fighter is Del Toro, or Del Toro has been lurking on AO3, in particular the TF2 fandom. Now, I've seen Life Fighter in a fantastic Tentaspy cosplay. I highly recommend everyone go check out their Tumblr account. So I'm now convinced that Del Toro is a Team Fortress fan. Mr. Del Toro, if you happen to be out there, first of all, big fan. Secondly, the world needs a better Pacific Rim sequel than the one we got, and I know you can deliver. Thank you. Enjoy the show. So I'm fighting the urge to start, honestly, everything we've been doing the last few days with... Gentlemen. <laughs> like the spy. Like that meme. Gentlemen. And I know for the most part, we, um, I think our audience is predominantly female. Oh, we, we just don't know. At least that's, that's what I've been getting from people writing in. Mm-hmm. I think only okay. one guy has been a confirmed listener of this show that isn't one of our okay. mates. Alright. So, we probably should say ladies. Oh, no, ladies feels awful saying that, I don't know. We should aim for gender neutral, but... The spy and his vocabulary have been infecting my mind, and I keep wanting to go, gentlemen. <laughs> what? What? I don't understand how you've gotten onto this, but all right. It's it's just how the spy it's talks. It's just what he says, gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Whenever he's addressing the group, he just goes, gentlemen. It's because they're all blokes. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> it's just the way he says it. It's like this very oh, yeah. suave French way of being like, yes, ah, gentlemen, yes. we have a problem. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Is he French or Belgian? Ooh, good question. I'm just wondering if maybe he's more of a proro. Let, let's have a look. A... Yeah, I'm, I'm googling this. Yes, he's French. He's French. Wait. Okay. Hailing from an indeterminate region of France. That he oh. could easily be Belgian, then, is what we're saying. No, because Belgian isn't in fucking France. No, I mean, if it's indeterminate where he's from. Well, well, region of do you France. Just not listen. It def- he's, he's, it's he's confirmed France, then. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I feel like uh. they're just sort of winging that. Uh. But Googling that has reminded me what I wanted to talk to you guys about before we start. Okay. Okay. 
I fell down a rabbit hole over the past few days. In addition can't you, to reading, why can't folk. you fall down a real hole? Why is there always a rabbit hole? Excited. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, a, Grace. <laughs> go down a well. I'm sorry, I've offended you by not come... dying yet. No, I mean, I mean, you always just give for hope. So it's not even dying because, like, obviously you'd be back to tell the story. You might find something cool down there. I don't know. But all right, carry on. Metaphorical rabbit hole. Okay. This is blasphemy. So, this is madness. Madness. Anyway, uh, the the rabbit hole I fell down was the Team Fortress 2 wiki. Okay. Yeah. So, while I knew about all the characters in Team Fortress, what I didn't know about was the extended universe that the comics has fleshed out. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. they've got comics. The comics have fleshed out a full timeline of the world. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. And the plot of Team Fortress 2 and what is going on in it. It's got a plot? So I just thought I'd take some time to walk you through... The plot of Team Fortress 2. Fucking hell, go on. Our story begins in 1822 with the Mann family. Uh, okay. Owned by a wealthy Englishman called Zephaniah Mann. What a name. Um, he had three kids. Redmond, Blutark, and Grey. And his wife died in childbirth. Redmond and Blutark were perfectly normal. Grey was underweight, but he'd learned to talk inside the womb. I this see. terrified huh? Zephaniah, and he immediately yeah, right. he ordered the baby to be killed immediately. But unfortunately, before they could kill the baby, he was abducted by an eagle during the Great Eagle Scourge of 1822. Oh yes, that. The remaining Man Brothers grew up with no knowledge of their missing brother. Grey was well cared for by his eagle abductor, and was fed grubs and mice, and kept warm under her breast, and accepted by her children. Grey grew strong under the eagle's care, and when he was strong enough, he killed her and her children and ate them all before crawling back to civilization. Just right. Uh, 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 all right. Just, just back. Right. Back, back this. Back, uh, back that ass up a little minute. Back the fuck up. <laughs> do you do you know what this sounds like? What? This sounds like if Christopher Buzz wrote JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It does, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> God, if either Christopher Bowes or Hirohiko Araki listen to this, make that collaboration happen. Yeah. This is a Greek tragedy. Yeah. It is as well. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> but twice as psychotic. All right, carry I'm on. Not I'm not done. Loving it. I'm loving it. Go on. Redmond and Blutark grew up to be successful businessmen, despite being complete yeah. idiots. They're Nepo hires, if you will. Yes. Okay. Um, so they bought a big bunch of land in the US. Um... Unfortunately, it turns out it was it's all just gravel, and it's pretty useless. They wasted a lot of money. Um, the two brothers are convinced gravel is incredibly valuable. Okay. And they begin to fight over the land regardless. They put together a team. Now, we only know of one of the teams. Um, the first team comprised of the following men. Billy the Kid, Stonewall Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, Alfred Nobel, John Henry... Nikola Tesla, Sigmund Freud, Davy Crockett, and Fu Manchu. That, what? How did they manage to get all of them in the same room? I know, right? Nine men, all experts in their field. Yeah. Blue. Apart from Freud. Freud was the medic. Of course. Yeah, exactly. He was. No, he knows nothing about medicine. He's a psychologist. <laughs> Neither did the medic, to be fair. <laughs> no, yeah, true. Blutark also put together an elite team. We don't know who's on that team. But this is the original Red versus Blue. Oh. Yeah. 
And each of those okay. men represented an archetype that is carried on through teams being assembled for the next 100 years. Right, I see. Okay. Sigmund Freud was the medic, <laughs> Fu Manchu was the spy, Abraham Lincoln was the pyro, uh, Tesla is the engineer. You, you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my cool. god. This war goes on for 150 years fighting over this gravel pit. I, they I, eventually build machines that let them extend their lifespan, and Redmond and Bluetark live through the entire thing. So, I, I just want to make uh, an observation. Okay. Team Fortress 2, you play the games, you don't particularly have to uh, to think about them. Oh god, no. Like, this is all in the comics. Yeah, exactly. This is they're, they're <laughs> like a really they're like a really fun uh, team-based shooter, class-based shooter. Yeah. <laughs> cool, funky graphics and stuff like that, and, and fun gameplay. But now with the law... Yeah, you, they didn't yeah. need to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely the mad didn't bastards need to did. do it. I'm not even touching on the concept of Australium, which is eventually discovered at some point during the war, which fuels their unusual technologies. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on this because this this is very funnily written. Um, <laughs> Australium, a powerful element found only in Australia, and it caused the nations and it caused the nation of unintelligent savages to become extremely intelligent and develop technological marvels such as teleportation and cloaking techniques. So, Team Fortress 2 just has it in for Australia. They yeah. are apparently unintelligent savages until they discovered a wonder metal that let them come up with teleportation and cloaking. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies to our Australian listeners. We, we don't agree. No, we, we don't. do not endorse what Valve says about Australia. We don't think you're unintelligent savages. Exactly. Eventually in the 70s, um, I should say, the war continues. Uh, Bluetark eventually founds the Blue Company. Yeah, yeah. And Redmond also founds the Red Company, needless to say. Yeah, because of course. Um, eventually they're invited to a peace talk, and they meet up at the Alamo. Um, they talk about it, they, they hash things out, and eventually peace is going to be brought to the entire thing. And then they ask themselves, wait... Who sent this invite? I don't know, I thought it was you. Oh, I thought it was you. That's when Grey shows up with an army of robots. Oh, okay. Because their long-lost third brother. Yeah. Who, yeah. Because that's when and they then, introduced the robot versions of them into the game. Yes. Yeah, that's, okay, that's when see. they introduced the Man vs. Machine expansion. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Oh my god. That's roughly the plot. There's a lot more to this. Um, I should add personal favorite parts of the law is that um, the rocket jump was originally invented by an English um, an English playwright known as Shakespeareicles <laughs> who is just a ripped version of Shakespeare Shut up. Um, he also in he invented the second floor of buildings he didn't invent stairs but he did invent the rocket jump <laughs> So for a few hundred years, the only way to get up to a second floor was to have a rocket launcher with you. Fire, jump, fire it at the ground, and launch yourself up into the second story. This is um. The... It makes so much sense. It wasn't until I don't know why, don't know why we bothered yeah. with stairs. Eventually, two to three hundred years later, Abraham Lincoln invents the stairs. What a boring man. Yeah, though it is. There's a coin with him talking about how good rocket jumps are. So. He's he is pro rocket jump, but yeah. I 
Well, how are people who can't, who like in wheelchairs, going to get up the stairs now? He's caused a massive problem. <laughs> I'm just. They could have just strapped rockets to themselves and got up like anyone else. There mm. wasn't like an ableist fucking barrier. I think you here. do everyone have to. Needed the rocket. Yeah, I think you have to jump and then rocket. But. I am. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you can fire the rocket on the floor. It'll be fine. Um, I am. Uh, I am wondering, like, uh, while the. Uh, while Red and Blue were sort of fighting over these gravel pits, was the rest of the world, like, continuing around them? Like, Yes. Was, like, World War One happening and World War Two and the... I believe so. Like, you know, the Suez and shit like that. And yeah, yeah, it didn't even touch them, did it? They were in their own personal bubble. <laughs> I do believe so. It's like, the, every, every so often, like, some great world leader will sort of look over and be like, are those idiots still fighting? Yeah, they are. We better leave them alone. Yeah, World War Two happened because the soldier fought in it. <laughs> oh, because okay. also oh, yeah. <laughs> canonically, he got a lot of lead poisoning in World War Two because all of the water he drank for like twenty years was spiked with lead. I see. Yeah, which explains a lot about the soldier's personality, really, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Absolutely bonkers. Mm -hmm. I've barely scratched the surface on this wiki, wiki page. There's so much lore here. This is incredibly in-depth and all bonkers. It, yeah, it looks it. They launched a monkey into space at one point. <laughs> and that was... Some, I, think it, I think the monkey was called Poopy Butthole or something like that. <laughs> and they, they had to cover it, it up because it was an Australian-powered rocket that they replaced it with something. Yeah, Poopy Joe. Poopy Joe, that's him. Yeah. It, there's a lot going on that is not at all touched on in the game. Yeah, it, it sounds it. I think I may have to read the comic. Yeah, I think I might have to. It also, we get introduced to all the families, or most of the families of the team as well, mm. in the comics. My favourite is Heavy's sisters. One of them eventually marries Soldier. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, one of them, there's sort of... So the internet, we're all we're all on board with big women being very attractive, right? Yes. So she's yeah. she's kind of coming on to Scout, and his negative riz puts her off, and it's a very funny bit of comic. Like she's like, I have not seen man in twenty years. We make sex now, and he just goes, Hell yeah, I'm ready for sex. I'm so good. And just him talking changes her mind. Well, she's just about like, this. No, <laughs> yeah, it's like you know what? No. I, I can find better. That's enough for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know who else has a page on the Team Fortress 2 wiki? Go on. Tom Jones. Because of course he does. Because he plays a part in the comics. What, like the Tom Jones, the singer from Wales? The, the real Tom Jones. The real singer from... Scout is a fan of Tom Jones. I see. And I, I, he... In fact, no, I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't see. I need to, I need to see. I need to go see. Yeah. So, Scout's a Tom Jones fan. He is convinced Tom Jones might be his real father. The Scout doesn't know who his real father is. Mm. But, yeah, he's a big fan of Tom Jones. He has a tattoo of Tom Jones. <laughs> I see. So, yeah, <laughs> the Team Fortress 2 wiki. It's a rabbit hole. But you know what else makes for good reading? Everything we've read today. Nice segue. Hmm. Hi everyone, welcome to the Shipping Forecast. I'm James. Oh, hello. Joining me is Nick. Hi. And Grace. Hello. We're back for part two of our Team Fortress discussion. Um, Grace, what have you been reading? I have been reading 
Pyro's Shipping Wall. Pyro's Shipping Wall. By Avian Brother. Mm. Bird Gang. If you'd like to join the Bird Gang, then uh, please... <laughs> if you'd like to join Bird Gang, why not join our Patreon? <laughs> yeah, we, we do post about... What, what the fuck is Bird I Gang? I don't know. I just was like, yeah, birds. Woo. We do post a lot of birds. We, we do like birds. Yeah, yeah. Parrots, dogs. I know Grace is more a fish kind of person, but as a rule, we I like birds. I thought you were talking about no. women. No, no. No, this isn't the 1970s anymore. Yeah. I may have said toots a lot in our last recording, but I'm not a misogynist. Yeah, like this would literally birds. Parrots, ducks, chickens. Yeah. You know, yeah. Do we? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Grace, you should hang out on our Discord sometime. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I like to keep professional distance away from my co-workers. <laughs> so... In this essay, I will explain why Pyro is all of us. Oh, okay. okay. Right. This is interesting. And thankfully, Avian Brother has shown me the perfect... Has just, has just worded it in a way I could not possibly refute. And this is Pyro's shipping wall. Summary. Pyro is a love expert and the number one team shipper. Oh, okay. okay. Pyro does our job for us on this podcast. <laughs> It's about time. It is a shame <laughs> that we can't understand what they're saying through the gas mask, because otherwise mm-hmm. we could just hire them. <laughs> uh, I'll read I'll read you some bits from it. Okay. okay. What is it this time, Pyro? Sighed Sniper, looking up from his knitting. Pyro stopped tugging on the bushman's sleeve and pointed at the red ball of yarn resting on his lap. Hada, said Pyro. <laughs> Sniper grumbled and sat down his needles. He opened up the bag, pulled out a spare ball of yarn. Whatever happened oh. to the other ones I gave you? He asked before tossing part of the yarn. And he muttled something and then put his like fingers to the masses like a jester. Like, and then giggled <laughs> and before like going away. He's a bloody weirdo. He's doing the pinboard thing, isn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. <laughs> I was about to ask, can you, any guesses <laughs> <Yeah>. why? <laughs> He's got a board with red string. Also, I love the idea yeah. of sniper knitting. That seems very on brand for him. <laughs> it does yeah. seem on brand, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? All in red. Mm-hmm. But he is, <laughs> he is the team mum, now I think about it. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Pyro's room, a few scratch marks here and there. The blankets are pulled up in the pile to form like a cosy nest. Furniture, minimal, <laughs> relatively intact. Massive cork board on the wall. You know, standard room you'd get in any flat share apartment. <laughs> Except that he's so. ignored the bed and has just made a little nest for himself. Yeah. <laughs> No one knew what Pyro did when he locked himself in his room, and it was probably for the best. They wouldn't know what to make of the different pairings and voyeuristic <laughs> photos connected by bits of red oh, yarn. No. There it is, ladies oh, and gentlemen, and everyone in between. Most reliable character. Mm-hmm. Relatable character, even. So, there's only one string connected to Heavy. Pyro is not impressed. <laughs> Huff sadly and thinks, Heavy is a big marshmallow of a man who has plenty of loving to share. So, Heavy is only connected to the doctor backed up by like some <laughs> blurry photos of the two of them together in their medical bay and that simply won't do <laughs> so Pyro adds another bit of red string from heavy all the way to scout opposite oh, to track yeah bike. I can see that right they'll balance each other out yeah yeah but Pyro doesn't have any evidence <laughs> not to worry though our little firefly has all the equipment necessary <laughs> Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Rummaging around in its trunk for a shoebox covered in marker and dumped in the contents of the floor, spilling out to the carpets, 
sticker sheets, craft glue, and a dozen different colours of paper. He scratched his head with a crayon as he figured out the composition of his latest masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pyro is going to fan art this shit better. I need to read out this description because it's very cute and deranged in equal measure. So, <clears throat> Pyro's brow furrowed in concentration. Love was a very serious business. He held out. <laughs> he held it out at arm's length, checking it over. When it was deemed finished, he pinned it to the wall along with the thread. The drawing showed Scout and Heavy. Scout was handing Heavy a can of bonk, <laughs> and Heavy was giving Scout a piece of sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Pyro found a sticker sheet of pink foil hearts and placed a tiny heart by their faces. He blushed and cradled his mask in his hands, admiring the pair. <laughs> He's gushing. He glanced at the gun in Heavy's hands and had a realisation. Quickly snatching up more paper and crayons, he drew Heavy holding Sasha in his arms, bringing the gun in for a kiss with big pouty lips. <laughs> Pyro put a foil sticker by Heavy's head. He looked at it. Then he added more stickers until there was a cloud of teeny tiny hearts around them. He pinned it to an empty space on the board and connected it to Heavy's portrait. Pyro stepped back. He shrugged and added another string connecting Medic to Heavy and Sasha. Pyro put his hands on its hips and huzzahed in triumph before flopping onto a cushion. There was one last fall heart on the sticker sheet. He stuck it on the cheek of his mask. <laughs> yeah, you go, this Pyro. Well done, sweetie. Proud of you. <laughs> like, Pyro's supposed to be, canonically, like, the most psychotic of all the, uh, all the mm -hmm. mercenaries. And he is. And he and he is, but, but he also likes shipping. But yes, he's. This has got like <laughs> they have reflected beautifully how wholesome he is. Yeah. <laughs> Alas, the next day, okay, around the corner came Heavy and Scout. Perked up, Pyro perked up and waved at them. However, they're in an argument. Oh no. Oh, so you're saying it's my fault? We walked into the sticky trap, said Scout. Yes. You are Scout. It is your job to find danger before it finds us. You need to look more and talk less, said Heavy, glaring down. I mean, down. Heavy's kind of wrong. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yes? <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, maybe if you weren't so fat, you'd... Scout didn't have time to finish as he was fed a delicious knuckle sandwich. <laughs> went flying back into a convenient hay bale. And Pyro's just like... No. <gasps> <laughs> The team couldn't figure out why Pyro was grumpy for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. When the match finished, he stomped into this room and took down the picture. I can imagine him, like, just bored, ready, like, tears mm -hmm. in his eyes, bored lines of it. The, shink, the sip, <laughs> the, sh the sip, the ship has sank and dra I mean... dramatically rips it off the Not wall. Not to keep going <laughs> this, like, ah! but um, <laughs> I'm sure you can relate to him right now, Grace. No, that's what yeah. I was about to say. It's okay, Pyro. You've you've been, been there, there very my recently, sank, Prince Sidon. My ship sink all the time. Hang in there. <laughs> oh my god. Honestly, it's like a fucking graveyard in <laughs> my shipping history. Oh, no. I've got I've got fucking Mr. Cameron trying to get an expedition down there every couple of months using like he's trying to get some film to fund <laughs> it like Titanic or some shit. Trying to see all the fucking ships that have like. Oh, I'm going no, into good. one. I'll get I'm out like... of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Either way. So later, drunken Scotsman was a very hard language to understand. We've all been there. Yeah. Am I right? Right. <laughs> 
But Pyro managed to get very good at it. I love this because you've got one person, you've got a thick, slurred accent, and then you've got one person that you can't mm-hmm. hear <laughs> because, like, he's in a gas mask. But they understand each other perfectly. <laughs> you know why I like you, Pyro. Oh, go on, Grace. Scottish it up. You know why I can't do a Scottish accent. That was good. That was you good. Know. Yeah, it was. It started well. Uh, yeah, but I can't <laughs> keep it up. I won't be able you to. You know keep why it up. I like you, Pyro. Demo, demo slurred. Pyro cocked his head. Huh, nah, huh. If, you, if you've <laughs> noticed, I'll, I'll sort I'll, of point this out. Like, um, Pyro's speech is muffled by his mask. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It comes out more like a. <laughs> like that, sort of. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, mm. oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay, sorry. I'll d- I'll do that again, <laughs> shall I? Yeah, that works. <laughs> okay, shit up. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, a drunken Scotsman understood Pyro a lot better than a sober one. I love yeah. that. Liquid yeah. license. Link- a liquid <laughs> linguist, if you will. Nice. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's not just because you're... Burn stuff, laddie, uh, lass, whichever you are. Pointed a finger at the firebug. You're a good listener, are you? Fucks don't want to listen to a one-eyed freak. Hell, they hardly want to look at me. You, you know, wise, like not having anyone listen to you. I'm trying to read it out as it's written. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they've, they've catered for the accent and I'm struggling because it's... Do you want me to have a crack? At. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. You. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> so that's the one thing I do know. He, tra- <laughs> he trailed off. His train of thought stuck that's at the station. That's a beautiful Fair. metaphor, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similarly, whatever it is. <laughs> yes, because he's got station. Oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. He gave off and took a squig of his scrumpy. Oh, probably one of my favourite tropes. Who's who, who, who? Said Pyro as his friend slung her arm around his shoulder. Oh, you really think so? (laughs) 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 And he's like giving a thumbs up, like, "Uh, maybe you're right, maybe I'm. Nah, Moshva. I wish there were someone who would take a shine to me. Fucking long. I will just say, you slipped into Irish, and there is a very, very good reason why the demo man isn't Irish. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, uh, Firstly, Nick, I'm going to say. I am Irish. <laughs> That's probably why that happened. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and fuck you. <laughs> and I'm sorry to all of Scotland and Ireland and Miss Ancestors and everyone. All right? Fucking hell. Right, okay. Fuck. Okay, so <laughs> for what I'm getting from this, uh, Pyro... Sorry, Demo thinks he's... Is he going to go on a date with Pyro? But uh, then, listen, no, I'm saying listen. that's what Demo thinks, uh, and then Pyro uh, is actually setting him up with someone else. No, he's no right. What's happening is, is that Demo right now is lonely, and he's mm-hmm. telling Pyro he's lonely. Now, Demo then lean. Demo then leans in and says, "Don't tell anyone." But, but it's happening. <sighs> doing again. it again. Don't tell anyone, but. I was hoping maybe Sniper would notice oh. me. Oh. oh. And Pyro's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. He's like, ah. And he's like, I know he's a professional. 
And he wouldn't go for the likes of me, but maybe I cleaned up a bit. And he goes, start staring off. Yes. And Pyro has already slipped away. He's <laughs> running back to his board. You know, maybe I should just get, have a haircut or something, you know. And he's like, Pyro, where'd you go? And he goes, he's gone. Pyro's ready to put the work in, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's there, he's bored. Mm-hmm. I can already imagine like the music going, and he's making a drawing of Snipe and Demo, the red strings going across the board. He's decorating the place with hearts and stickers, a circled in marker, working into the mm-hmm. night. He's drafting his plan, and I shit you not, he's got the ship name down. That's a hell already. of a ship name. Operation. <laughs> Operation yep. Piss Bomb was a go. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> Piss bomb, piss bomb, piss You're bomb. My piss You're bomb. my piss bomb. <laughs> Nick, you asked last episode uh, why they don't do ship names in this fandom. I, I think we've cracked why. why. Yes, that is why. Because <laughs> they got far enough to w- to go with piss bomb, and they were like, no. <laughs> I mean, they could have gone with demo pair or sniper man. But piss bomb kind of works better. <laughs> it is very in keeping with like the mm-hmm. team yeah. fortress humor. I I also like that we're shipping someone who is is known for having incredible vision, also with the one-eyed Cyclops. <laughs> Why? Well, because one's got perfect vision, the other can't see out of one eye. It is also like shipping a scalpel with a wrecking ball. I feel like we've we've slipped into an ableist issue. No, like, <laughs> one um, one uses precision and um, you know one uses like precision and finesse to solve his problems. You know, sni- yeah. a sniper. <laughs> well, we'll say that instead a... of one's got good eyesight and the other one's literally That's got it, one you know, eye. You've got a, <laughs> yeah, you've got you know what be, I mean. Yeah. Stop offending people with perfect vision and one eye. Like you've, <laughs> you've got to be. Don't do you've it. Got to be precise for, uh, for a sniper. You might wait hours for your target, and you you often only get one chance. But like demo man, he's the wrecking ball. He comes in, just blows everything up indiscriminately, um, and make make sure his targets. But, yeah, are right. They are very different. Mm-hmm. Basically, I endorse this ship. Is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. You will go down with the ship. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Pyro starts uh, spying on Sniper. <laughs> and he sort of, he's looked at him as going, all he does is like, clean his rifle, knit sweaters and those off. And he's like, oh, fuck me, he's boring, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so, I think he's, I don't know what exactly he's doing. He seems to be like, gathering evidence on how to like, Get the two. Either way, he's just l- he's just lurking in a bush and like, like they know he's there. Yeah. Okay. Right. He, they know that Pyro is just lurking about in this bush, and they're just like le- leaving him to it. They're like, you know, it's just it's just cold. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some crisps? Yeah. <laughs> Shit up. Right. <laughs> Either way, Pyro starts flicking chips as it's written here. It might be. Chips. I'm guessing Fuck, it's crisps. Know. Sorry, British people, yeah. we call... Yeah. yeah. Chips, crisps, because chips is a French fry mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. Either way, he's flicking them uh, at the at thingy, and he's like, and I was like, you can't be serious. Look, lad, lass, or whatever you are, I don't think I can do this. Maybe if we were both ass over, tea kettle drunk, it not it unprofessional to be shagging your co host He probably doesn't even like me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pyro did his best to attempt to hide, a, attempt to scowl through his mask and go, Hada! You know, 
all right this doesn't work don't blame me for what happens and he walks over to the bushman pyro fucks off right he's picking up what he needs okay <laughs> and what do you think he needs oh, without God. looking ahead what do, what do you think he needs he's gonna leave them some lube I uh, think he's maybe doing the whole um, candles and rose petals thing. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah. work. See, the, these are both very sane oh, ideas. Okay, he's siphoning the petrol from Sniper's van so that he can use it to fuel his flamethrower. Again, very sensible ideas. No. Okay. So. Oh, God. I know what I, it, I, yeah. I just. I, yeah. I've not read it yet. I just skimmed <laughs> the page, and the word diaper stood out to me. I've, I've come to the. I've come to a conclusion here. Okay. Um, I will let Grace re read on to see if it is the conclusion that I have come to. Okay. The wings were a nice touch, <gasps> even if you stray afraid of the no. top glued to a suit. <laughs> Archimedes and the other dies, doves wouldn't miss them after all. Doves were birds of love or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Pyro fashioned his bedsheet into a weird toga and diaper hybrid. Popped his head out the window, making sure the wind was right for phase two. He snuck down into the kitchen and then back out to his bush. Oh, God. <laughs> he's play. He's literally playing... Cupid. Cupid, yes. Cupid. That is the conclusion I came to. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I hope he doesn't use a gun. Uh. <laughs> so... Marched over to the van, knocks on the door, nothing, knocks louder, presses his ear to the door, hears someone stirring inside, he rushes back to the bushes, bow at the ready. Okay. The door opens, Pyro pops out. <laughs> Lad, what are you doing dressed like that? Demo had his arm around Sniper's waist, Sniper's hair was a mess, hey. his neck and collarbone were covered in dark marks. He's wearing one of Demo's shirts, and Demo only wore a pair of boxes and a sniper's bush hat. Right, so, like, they've gotten they along sure fine without his help, right? <laughs> Pyro can't keep a proper grip on the arrow because of the big gloves. Hand slip, and the arrow has zipped away. Instead of striking in the heart, it bounced around and hit Sniper square <laughs> in the arse. Holy dooly! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they were trying to yank the arrow out of said arse, and Pyro, who stood still holding the glorious pink huntsman, and Pyro sprints through the crowd and back into his room, his sheet flapping his behind him, and and his work here is done, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, and everyone. Wow. Look, it's just <laughs> my God. <laughs> I, I'm lost for words here. I don't know if. Was Pyro's plan always just to shoot is. whoever he was setting up? Like, is he out to kill he, them? He far he fires sprinkles and flowers for a living, James. <laughs> yeah, this is the oh, thing. God. In his mind, that's exactly what he's doing: firing the arrow yeah. in the manner of Cupid. And do you believe in magic? Yeah, yeah like wh whoever it hits falls yeah, in love he's with literally... whoever he wants them to. <sighs> yeah, like he's a <laughs> professional. <laughs> And professionals they have sure standards. <laughs> and yeah. it's beautiful. Quite frankly, isn't he? And this is why Pyro is the most relatable <laughs> character. Because he is every single person who has ever shipped anyone. I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. I've never tried to shoot anyone for it. <laughs> then you are an amateur. Okay, I'll bear that in mind next time I ship people. 
That's, um, I kind of get what you mean, though. Um, like, when you see something on the screen or in the book or whatever, and you just, like, just fucking kiss already. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> just, just do yeah. it. You'll both be much happier, and clearly it needs to happen. I get that. Yeah. But, uh, Pyro just decided to take it one step further and make things happen. Mm-hmm. My worry is for Archimedes, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Archimedes is probably just slightly yeah, old. Like you're going to need a lot of feathers to make those wings. Yeah. And I, I yeah. hope Archimedes I is mean, fine. I mean, we don't know to... <laughs> we don't know to what extent... We don't know the level of Pyro's artisanal <laughs> skills, right? It's... <laughs> we can gather that it's uh, childlike, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe... He's using crayon for some drawings. <laughs> yeah. Bless. I'm. <laughs> I don't know. It depends how many he used at the end of the day. I don't. No, either. Look, right. Enough worrying about okay. the. Okay. Yeah, the I dogs. assume no animals right, were harmed sure. in the making of this fic. Yeah, I'm sure the doves were fine. It does say no. that they're still alive. They're just missing a few feathers. That's true. So. Well, yeah, a, few. a few. They're in a, a very sur- sunny end of the world, so I doubt they'll miss them. Yeah, they'll be fine. Exactly. And I'm sure someone called Avian Brother is not going to write something that leaves birds harmed. No. <laughs> On that note, thank you, Avian Brother. That was very good. Yeah, it was incredibly mm-hmm. sweet. And obviously I haven't said everything that's happened in this because I want mm-hmm. people to read it for themselves. But, you know, yeah. Oh, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. So very sweet. <laughs> Deranged, sure. twisted, but definitely sweet. So, cutting back in... <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just want to add, I'm going to cut all of that, but Grace is the worst. She is an absolute chaos gremlin who has just pulled multiple levels of deception on me and Nick. Levels of deception that... It's not so much as... It's just, we trusted you, and it was it was our mistake for trusting you, rather than... Do you know what it was like? like? You being deceptive. It was like offering a handshake and being punched in the face. Yeah, and then, that's exactly it. And it's then afterwards, like, the other person says, look, I'm really sorry oh, about that. It's a reflex. On. Let me help you off the ground. And then they help and you off they the punch ground. You again. And then they punch you in the face again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, oh, I'm not even... Oh, you're not, I'm not, you're not cross, that, no. really, are you? <laughs> no. I'm, <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just like, why did you do it? <laughs> you're not angry. You're just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm used to that. I wouldn't even go that. I'm struggling to articulate my feelings right now. <laughs> but it's probably just a why. <laughs> yeah, it's all just a big question mark. Of, yeah, you bamboozled us, but why? <laughs> what was the point? Cause I can. <laughs> Cause I fucking can. You know what? Talking right, of bamboozling <laughs> for the sake of bamboozling, I've been reading the Hogwarts Hustle. Oh, well done. Yeah. Oh, nice segue. This is a Harry Potter slash Team Fortress 2 crossover. Are you familiar with Harry Potter? Not really. Okay. No. It's a story. It's it's like Little Witch Academia, <laughs> but not as good. It's about these wizards okay, in a school. Yeah. Um, the school's called Hogwarts. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's the 1970s, so it's consistent with the Team Fortress 2 timeline. Okay. And I'll just read you the summary. Sorry, did I say it's by Delphi? No, but thank you. Okay. Uh, the relationships are heavy, medic, and spy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an alternate universe in the Harry Potter setting, post-canon. 
humor, first time, and heist. It's also part of the Rare Mail Slash Exchange 2018 collection. Oh. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. The year is 1973, and a pair of professors from the Durmstrang Institute arrive at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry to help study the Snuggleth plant. Or at least that's the cover story. As Heavy and Medic help Spy infiltrate Hogwarts for reasons of their own. Oh! What so this naked? is a heist. Um, I will say before we begin, two of the characters are wizards. So okay. Slight change from the, um, the Team Fortress 2 canon. So Heavy hasn't got a big gun. Two out of three are wizards. I was going to say, I'd love if Heavy had, like, magic mash energy. Heavy uh, is not the wizard. Heavy is the heavy. squib, so he uses a big gun. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, no, he's he's not even part of the... He's just a straight muggle. Oh, oh. I see. But, uh, but Spy <laughs> and Medic, both wizards. Which makes sense, because they both do magic in the game in their own strange way. Yes. Yeah. So, our story begins December 15th, 1973. The following are the facts as written in the school records. Uh, let me... So, I'll just read this verbatim. Go on, then. On December 15th, 1973, two visiting scholars arrived at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry for a week of research. That was the facts, according to the school records, which were later erased due to embarrassment. But they were more or less correct. Those who knew a little more about the affair were inclined to suspect that there were more than two professors in the scholars' party, and those who knew a lot more would argue there were never any scholars at all. <laughs> I see. So our story begins. Dumbledore is doing his usual speech at the front of all the students, talking about how good the meal is about to be. Being ridiculously ram- cryptic. But sorry, I'm rambling. There's going to be food, there's pigs in blankets on the table, and... Now, you must be patient. We're waiting for a few late arrivals, and then the door opens. Two men walk in. This is Professor Vogel and Professor Malenkov, who have arrived precisely Malinov. on time. Uh, Vogel. That's okay. Malinov. Oh, Malenov. Yeah. Professor Malenov. Apologies. If you're going to read can... verbatim, mate, you might I... as well read it properly. I can yeah. read. <laughs> so, Sometimes. Yeah. So Vogel translates as bird. So that'll be medic. Yes. Yep. And Malinov... Sounds Russian. <laughs> it does sound Russian. Malinov translates to raspberries, apparently. Oh. Okay. In, in, oh, right. um, uh, it's from Slovenian into English, and apparently it translates as raspberries. Yeah. Oh. Well, Professor Vogel, first walking in, goes, Hello, Herr Professor Dumbledore, in his very German accent. <laughs> He's wearing a dark mm-hmm. robe and sort of looks kind of dark wizard. Mm-hmm. Behind him is a large man. They would describe him as a giant, but they've met Hagrid, so they think of him more as a grizzly bear. Yes. He's wearing a big fur hat, and he's got boots that curl up at the toes. Yes. Yeah, that's heavy. Um, some of the more observant students notice there is a snake curled around his hand. Oh. But as they're Sasha. noticing that, they're distracted as a bird flies out from the robes of Professor Vogel. As Vogel yells, Archimedes, no! <laughs> uh, um, the pigeon, for he is a pigeon, not a dove, flies into the um, the rib cage of the dinner. Oh, no. Oh, my There's a cooked God. goose, and Archimedes has just flown in, and he's like, uh, oh, yeah, it's goose. He's, uh, he's doing a bit of cannibalism here. Well, yeah. And, yeah, so <laughs> that's the introduction to them. Uh, they're here to study the snuggleth plant. Snuggleth plants. 
and will be staying for the week. Mr. Potter and Mr. Black will be assigned to sort of look after them. Oh, yep, the Marauders. And show them around. Mm-hmm. And then the they have dinner. Yeah, the Marauders are here. This is the 70s, so that's kind of about the right timeline, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it then cuts to them in their bedroom. Rene, for that is the spy. You might have mentioned the ghosts. He's Turns out he's planned for this heist a bit better than the others. He's got an entire suitcase full of invisibility potions, and turns out that's not going to work on ghosts. Uh, Medic didn't give him the full story. He's, he just said the usual things will be there, um, but Rene's pissed, he says, and I quote, It won't be any trouble. Teachers, students, portraits and such. The little, how are they called in English? Uh, De Kolbold? You know what I mean. It'd only be the usual people, hardly any security at all. Uh, it turns out ghosts count as the usual people in his eyes, which uh, the spy is not impressed by. Oh, so hang on a minute. Um, I've just noticed Rene said sharply, having slithered off his colleague's arm and regained his form. He's an animagus. Oh, yeah. He's an animagus. He was the snake on Heavy's arm. That makes sense. That's how he oh. snuck in. Yeah. yeah. That's quite consistent Sasha. with spy's powers in the game. Yeah. Sasha will nice. come up later, but yeah, uh, it makes sense that he he's an Animagus. Mm. Like that's classic. He went to Burbaton. Of course he did. Uh, You'll <laughs> know this comes up a lot. Um, the all girls school. It is an is all girls all? school. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's been a while since I read the books. <laughs> I think it's an all girls school. Yeah, because sure, everyone, sure everyone in the film was a female who so, came from there. So the what if your Male, French, and a wizard. Do you just have to relocate? Mate, you just got a home study, I guess. I don't know. Or go into <laughs> one of the shit schools. Or find the Gerudo outfit. Or the Gerudo outfit, yeah. Which I'm assuming was Spy's plan. Oh, we just don't know. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure they're cool. I'm sure mm-hmm. they don't mind. But yeah, they discuss kind of the plan of how they can deal with things. Uh, Heavy goes, I will put out milk for kobolds. Give them milk, they will not talk. <laughs> Um, Guessing house elves. Probably. I'd yeah. have thought so. Um, they discuss what they're here for, which is the Cauldron of Dagda, which has been in Hogwarts since the 13th century. If legends are to be believed, this is an item of unimaginable power. Uh, it replicates whatever the brewer needs and in the quantity he needs. It can also be used to resurrect the dead, apparently. Okay. Oh. It is kept somewhere in Hogwarts. They're here to steal it. Of course. Um... We learn a bit about the timeline at this point. This is set after the events of Team Fortress 2. Um, they've defeated the Clockwork Army, and everyone's just kind of retired. Like, the war's over. Mm. Like, the Gravel War is done. They've all got really comfy consultancy jobs at this point. Because that's the next logical step. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, after being in the military. I mean, they've all done pretty decent jobs. Yeah, yeah. Office um, work's boring, though. That's why they're doing a heist. Potentially. <laughs> um, it's at this point um, Rene, the spy he he sort of mer- thinks to himself that he suspects the medic is not playing at this Okay, hmm. it's not so much a disguise for him let me find that paragraph because he's maybe been to he's, he's maybe gone to Durmstrang to learn his own brand of magic Theodore bore a certain resemblance to a young prof- to rumours of a young professor who had been dismissed from Durmstrang in the 50s, and was wanted in three countries as a result. The exact charges were unclear, but phrases such as overzealous experimentation and it took a week to exercise the library were recurring features. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's medic. 
It's implied the medic was a very unethical professor, and that's why he's doing a good job at blending in at Hogwarts right now. Yeah. It's because he used to be a magic teacher, but was kicked out due to ethics. <laughs> He'll fit in just well. Defense against the dark arts, perhaps. God damn the pesky ethics. We'll see. They retire and go to bed. Um, of course, there's three of them and only two beds. So there's a bit of a standoff briefly. And they were roommates. They were. But not... <laughs> so, Medic leaves because he's got his own room and Heavy has his own room. Yeah. So that just leaves Spy and Heavy just stood in the room together. There's a bit of a standoff and eventually Heavy just goes, Tick, I will sleep on couch. And Spy's just like, oh, of course. Because he was a good, in a good mood, he generally... He generously gestures to the black bag Theodore left behind. But the doctor has forgotten his bag. And there's a bit of a shit-eating grin on the heavy's face. He goes, I will bring it to him. Oh, dear. Good. Sorry, this is spy. Good. I am sure he won't sleep without a scalpel to cuddle. <laughs> and uh, heavy heads over to the medic's room. And uh, spy can hear a smooch at least once. And a soft laugh. And they go back to bed together. Uh, so that's what's going on. You uh, want his scalpel to cuddle? <laughs> no, right. All of okay, the writing well. in this is delightful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading some of it and I was like, <laughs> So the yeah. next scene I want to talk about is um, Spy scoping the place out. He runs into uh, Slughorn, the current potions teacher, I want to say, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of him thinking about um, this would not work if we were at Beaubaton. They would not be so lackadaisical about the fact someone up to no good is clearly stalking the corridors. E ever the Frenchman. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. The original plan was to disguise himself as heavy, but the size difference was too difficult for his shape shifting. So he's being medic, and he's going if he's ever questioned or anything. Because if he's heavy, he can just do the stoic silence and walk away. Yeah. And no one's going to bother him. But as medic, his backup plan is just to sort of pretend, go, ugh, mine English, and just pretend he doesn't understand, because <laughs> that always works on the British. Brilliant. And yeah. you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, we're idiots. Um, and we can't speak any other language while exactly. we're Yeah. <laughs> Every time. So, that's the spy's plan. It's probably going to work. Um, eventually he runs into Slughorn. Slughorn tries to seduce him. and um, Bloody hell. It's been a while since Spy has got to be a honeypot on a on a mission, so he rolls with it. Oh wow! <laughs> and he realizes, as the profession, as the potions professor, he probably knows a thing or two about the cauldron. So seduction. Yep. While this is happening, James Potter and his gang of marauders decide to break into the bedroom of uh, the heavy and the medic, because hmm. they know for certain these two are death eaters. Because oh one of them had a snake, Vogel's got an evil smile, like, yeah, obviously. So they break in and they raid through the suitcases, and uh, yeah, they've got torture devices in the in the suitcase. I say torture devices. They find handcuffs. Um, they find what looks like thumb screws. Uh huh. They find what looks like a black unicorn horn without a point, and it's made of rubber. That isn't and torture devices, is it? At this point, Remus has a traumatic flashback to last summer, the time he looked under his parents' bed and found a rubber thing down there. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, this isn't for torture. Oh my god. 
and a bit later the others catch up in their minds and go, oh, and they put them back and leave. <laughs> they never speak of this again. <laughs> why did they jump straight to torture? Surely they know what the Cruciatus curse is. Well, they were 15, they found handcuffs, they were like, oh, gotta be torture, right? It must right? be torture, yeah. These people yeah. don't use unforgivable curses, even though they may be Death Eaters. Well... I guess I mean, hanky spanky isn't a thing in the I wizard mean, world. Like, I mean, like when when you when you polyjuice potions up, you need to put the real person somewhere. And if they're handcuffed, they're probably not going to move around so much. Yeah. Uh, Petrificus Totalus. Yeah, for someone who's not watched Harry Potter so. or even read it, you also <laughs> know a lot, don't you? <laughs> so I right, I have read Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought Nick had read Harry Potter. And recently, uh, Sophie's been like, oh my god, you haven't seen all the films, because I haven't seen all the films, so we're going through... Ah, I see, you're all Harry Pottered up. I am all, I am all Pottered up, I was up, thinking yeah. you do seem intimately familiar with this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Man knows his Latin, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> some of it's... Uh, Nick, yeah, you're northern, it how stuck. do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he speaking Latin? Wake me up! <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. So, we cut back to them in the evening. They're discussing the plan. They're going to do the heist mm-hmm. tomorrow. Spy explains that he did. He seduced Slughorn. Uh, heavy, next time you see him, I did tell him you're the jealous type, so act kind of angry. Act jealous, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of happens. Um, Spy is complaining about the food <laughs> because it's got this slightly gummy consistency. Uh, I'm assuming this is less about magic prepared food and more about British yeah. food. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Luckily, he managed to swipe two bottles of 1947 Cheval Noir from Horace Slughorn's uh, private collection. Yeah, he'll drink. And that is making the food slightly more passable. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the idea of him just like foregoing the food altogether, just drinking the rest of the. Uh, yeah. I am not eating this <laughs> English piss. It's about time I go <laughs> on the wine. liquid diet. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that that's probably the most horrifying thing about coming to England. It's not the danger or anything it like is. that. It's having to exist on a diet of English food. Why do they eat so much beige? <laughs> These English, they still eat as if the Germans were still flying overhead. <laughs> they call this a pudding, but it is clearly just batter overcooked. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Anyway, Spy's plan is... I need you guys to make it. Sorry, I need you to make a distraction tomorrow at quarter past ten. Some things that will need clearing up. I will take care of the rest. We cut to the morning. Mm. Um, the defense against the dark arts teacher has come running to McGonagall, panicked. Um, McGonagall isn't too fussed because it's normally around about this time this year that something goes wrong for the defense against the dark arts teacher and they need to hire a new <laughs> one. So she's just like, "Yeah, ah. what's up now?" I always, so, I always uh, wondered why, like, she never sort of became the tat teacher, but I think well, she, she knows, knows that <laughs> it's cursed. Uh, they'd talk a bit. Um, once, once he's calmed down and explains what's happened, she rushes to the classroom, uh, opens the door in this classroom. There is a there is a very large hole in the floor from which shone an eerie red light. Nice. Oh dear. A portion of the class had flattened themselves against the wall, a wide-eyed in terror. One of the young Slytherins, named Cerverus Snape, was entranced to the front row, madly scribbling notes and looking up at Professor Vogel through his hair with the sort of worship that he does you don't normally see from him. 
Professor Vogel, she snapped, we do not teach blood magic in this school. <laughs> He's teaching them how to become Uber, isn't he? I think so, yeah. yeah. He's definitely teaching blood magic. <laughs> and so he stops, there's sort of an, a long silence, a bit of a pause, and he just goes, This is not the dark arts class? <laughs> Defense against the dark arts. Whoops. <laughs> Longer silence. Well, the best defense is a strong offense, yeah? <laughs> fire with fire, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just like how he's, uh, as he says this, he's sort of like um, trying to kick a clawed hand that was trying to sort of lever itself out the red hole. Oh, yeah. Get, get the fuck back in there. <laughs> he was summoning Eldritch Horrors, for sure. Yeah. And McGonagall felt a headache coming on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Confiscates the notes from Snape. And then we get the final scene of this story. <laughs> it's the spy. He is currently pinned to the wall. I'll describe this as best I can, but I have to give a lot of credit to this author. Mm. I have to give credit for Hogwarts. Uh, he was willing to give Hogwarts a grudging point of credit for having a security system so stupid and medieval that it could entrap any sensible gentleman thief who had brought his best lockpicking and curse-breaking equipment in lieu of hedge clippers. <laughs> So, the cauldron is guarded by an angry plant that will just grow out and slam him into the wall. <laughs> and he wasn't prepared for that, because... He, why he, would you yeah, prepare he, for that? That's it, he, he could have just bought a chainsaw. And this that's... is the stupidest security system he's ever encountered. Wait till I get a dog. <laughs> yeah. Wait till the... Yep. In Bobasson, we would just use fire or something sensible like that. That's it, they end up with a three-headed dog with one very mm -hmm. specific weakness. Among other stupid things, like the chess setup and everything. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I know. It's like... As security systems go, it's very silly. <laughs> and the spy didn't expect the that. The security system is trying to get into your through your neighbour's back garden, isn't it? Because it's like, you got the Rottweiler, then you got, mm. like, just looking for the key under the map, and then you've got, like, yeah, the old man is like, if you want my belongings, you'll have to win it in a game of chess. And then, yeah. <laughs> what is in your back garden, Grace? <laughs> Mate, you're not getting into my house. I oh, know, I didn't expect you to have an old man there willing to challenge people to chess, is all. <laughs> well, you know, got to keep him busy. That's fair. So Grace has an old man living with uh, living with her? No. Yeah. That will challenge people to games of chess to get into the house. Yeah, who likes his chess. Does explain why Grace is so good at chess. <laughs> I don't think I've ever played chess. <laughs> Oh really? Oh well. Where, where did that come from? I was I was feeding into oh, it. Oh right. I don't know. I was gonna say I was like I've never played chess with you. <laughs> Maybe we will next time. Uh, battle of the minds. To be fair, I lose against my brother in a game of like Connect Four every time. So I don't know. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So medic and heavy eventually come to get him. Congratulations, you haven't found my corpse. <laughs> He made distraction. Then many people wish to lecture him about this distraction. <laughs> um, they start getting Spy out. and It's at this point Spy notices sort of a look between the two of them. And he, he calls them out on it. And he starts thinking, Some, something's up about this situation. What's going on? And then it, it finally clicks for him. He's just He turns to Medic. You have a seven-figure research budget. I've seen you resurrect a man with two pints of armadillo blood and a golf cart battery. Why am I really here? <laughs> it clicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Medic doesn't need how to resurrect people, because he can do that 
with armadillo blood and a golf cart battery, apparently. <laughs> so, and they sort of try and sort of make excuses about it, and um, they only just sighs and goes, "We thought it would cheer you up." Oh. <laughs> With the war and excitement and everything, oh, all this excitement with the old woman over, you were just mopey. You clearly weren't yourself. You were smoking too much. So we came up with a heist. <laughs> That's so wholesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, bless. I'm honestly amazed. You guessed this like 10 minutes ago, Grace. Did I? Yeah, you said at the start, it's like, I bet this is just to as an excuse. Oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah, I tried to move past well, it, but yeah, well, you've, you, you cracked well, the it. the herring... I mean, like, I was so lost in all, like, how fun the story was. Like, I completely, <laughs> like, forgot my own synopsis. Oh, so. uh, that's good. Um, yeah, he's like, I told you we should have just offered him a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your idea for everything. But then Spice says, you know what? This did cheer me up. Right. Plan A. You disentangle me from these vines, we secure the cauldron, we carry on the cover story, and we walk away in a week, everyone's none the wiser. <laughs> or plan B, you cut me down from these vines, we perform what I believe our colleague calls a two-fought smash and grab, we flee and spend the rest of the week of our holiday having group sex in the finest hotel we can find. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm looking forward to the next paragraph. They chose plan yes! B. Yes! A large did. fire broke out on the fourth floor of the North Wing. Yes! Its exact causes were not recorded, but the, kil the kindling was compromised of large amounts of devil snare, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it set fire to the place and bailed. Yeah, I mean, That's come on, the spy was not going to sit around eating English food any longer when he could, exactly. he could be setting fire to the place and having a three-way a threesome with heavy in a really medic. nice hotel. <laughs> exactly. Presumably a hotel they found in France because <laughs> even in England he'd still have to eat English food at English hotels. They're just banging yes. in the Bordeaux somewhere. Just, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are wizards. They can travel a bit faster. I don't think the Channel Tunnel was made around then so they'd have to, like... Oh, they'd porky it, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 So, so, incidentally, um, I just noticed where it says two fort smash and grab. Yeah. Uh, let me just share this to uh, General in the Discord. Two fort mm -hmm. is a Team Fortress 2 map. Yes. Yeah, two fort is one of the main yeah. places they fight. Oh. And okay. that's such a terrible pun. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. The Team Fortress 2 place being called Two Fort. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> You magnificent bastards at Valve. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, so that was the fic. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. Yep, I, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Delphi. This was a treat. Um, I look forward to seeing what else you've written. There's a lot of it in Harry Potter, actually, so we may be back at some point. Yep, when we finally do the, uh, the cursed fandom, which is Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah... We'll see. There are other magical schools I'd like to explore first. Yep, fair enough. So, Nick, do you want to take us home? Uh, okay, so... Okay. I think we're good. Cool. So, this is definitely the same day. There's There's been no technical issues. Shall we blame the spy? 
Is that an appropriate thing yeah, to do? Yeah, it was definitely the spy and not my recording so. rig shitting the bed and, mm-hmm. uh, and and me having to basically get a new one out of things I found in my cupboard. So to recap, what, what you may have missed, because I think the recording did turn off slightly, um, I was about to ask Nick what he read when I heard a French accent in my house. He just sort of yelled, Gentlemen, end over the recording. And I told him to fuck off. And, <laughs> and we, had a bit of, we had a bit of a scrap. Very impressively choreographed, if I don't mind saying. And then you woke like, up on a chair in the dark with a fanlight going above you. I did. But and he wasn't investigating you. <laughs> a week has passed, and now we're recording again. Yep. Yay. For totally spy-related reasons, and not because Nick's laptop shat itself. <laughs> and I'm two grand down on cash for no apparent reason. You're too... I've, I bought a car in that time. <laughs> I was just joking about paying a spy. Uh, oh, I see. You, I see. First of all, that's a very reasonable rate for a kidnapping. Well, you know. But also, please don't. I got friends, mate. <laughs> oh, you, you got a discount because they've heard of me. Mates rates, yeah. Oh, that asshole. I will do it for a discount. <laughs> I will just observe here. Um, I know that it was for spy-related reasons, but if it wasn't, then I've gone from a laptop computer, which was seven years old, down oh to God, a desktop yeah. computer. Let's which talk is... about your desktop PC and the setting up of yesterday. That's it, my desktop computer, which was 14 years old. So, you told us that you bought this desktop roughly in the mid-2010s. Yes, because I thought um, I did. And we thought, yeah, okay, cool, fair enough. That'll probably be fine. We can just plug that in. Good to go. Maybe Nick can play some games on it. Uh, what did you find on it, Nick? Why don't you tell us? I found the login client for MSN Messenger. Yes. <laughs> Something which stopped being a thing in 2012. Yes, the servers shut down in 2012. Yeah. I remember vividly because our friendship circle moved from MSN Messenger to Facebook Messenger. Yes. In around 2012. So yeah, yeah, that's how old this is. However, I think it's um, it's going to be a lot better than the laptop, A, because I've barely used it, so it's not full of like malware and shit like that. And B, in its day, it was a perfectly decent computer, uh, like for gaming and things like that, so uh, mm-hmm. it'll it be... It could run RuneScape at 60 frames a second. Yes, absolutely. Oh, it, could, it could run games like Half-Life 2 on fully... Mm-hmm. Heightened Ooh. graphics, so and Team Fortress Two, and Team Fortress Two, which I had uh-huh. but never played. So yeah, maybe we should do that. Now you've got a PC that will run Team Fortress Two. <laughs> Play Team Fortress Two because it yeah. is free now in we its could... original state. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Nick, you'll have the authentic experience playing on your Windows Service Pack One <laughs> version of Windows Seven. <laughs> wow, this was the thing. Like one final observation. Um, James was at the other end of a Facebook message trying to help me set it up. And, like, full credit, he he did his best and, like, helped me get it into sort of some semblance of order. But I could hear this sort of grating noise coming in the... Uh, coming from the direction of where, where James oh, lives. Oh, no. Honest, honestly, you, you were fine in terms of <laughs> computer patience. I've dealt with... I've walked less tech literate people 
through easier situations and had a harder time doing it. Which is honestly saying something, because tech literate, I am not. Mm-hmm. So. But I've got used to it. I, I take screenshots and circle them in big colors. It's... <laughs> I'm I'm good at tech walking through at, yeah. this, at, at this stage. Yeah, yeah. So, talking of walking us through things, Nick, what have you been reading? Okay, so I've been reading for uh, three weeks now. Um, God's Little Helper by Ray Clubs. Okay. I'll just read you the summary um, and you'll pretty much work out what this is about. I think you'll both enjoy this. Um, among his humans' many peculiar acquaintances, Archimedes picked the most troublesome one. Okay, so this is uh, this is the medic's pigeon. Yeah, this Archimedes. is it. This is from the point of view of Archimedes, and I sort of picked this because it's uh, it's an adorable little look into how Archimedes sees the world, as sort of dreamt up by Ray Clubs, which is quite nice. I'm uh, all for sort of like from an animal's point of view. Mm-hmm. Basically, our story starts. Archimedes thinks that his uh, his adopted human, the medic, is a god. Right. He, I mean, um, he's not far off in terms of resurrection. He and... plays god. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he does things with the medical science that should not be possible. Yeah, should not be possible or even ethical. Sometimes, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Terrible but great. Yes, terrible but great. Exactly. I mean, he's more of a Greek god, if anything, thinking about it. Well, yeah, I can kind of see that, you know. Just, you know, most of the stories involving the medic involve him just dicking around with things he shouldn't do. <laughs> and that's that's kind of like, I've just come off playing Hades, so that's on the brain. How else do you advance medical science, really? Exactly. So I, I feel like we're, bra- we're branching into some World War Two logic here that we should probably <laughs> stay clear of. <laughs> But anyway, enough about the Hippocratic suggestion. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Grace made a similar joke, but anyway. That might be the episode title, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so uh, Archimedes has come to the conclusion because rather than indulge in the trash bin picking and petty theft that normal uh, pigeons indulged in, he, he somehow made him his way into a church. The sermon's being given by a man in a long black robe. and So this way, he thinks he's learned all there was to know about God. And oh, yeah. when he meets the medic, his sort of definition of a God seems to fit pretty well with the uh, with the German medical scientist he sees before him and, and meets up with. He's sort of quite grateful. He couldn't reliably check whether the medic actually gave him life, but he was... It's an existential thought, isn't it? It is, yeah, just a little bit, but I don't think Archimedes has any truck with this notion because he's been given, like, food, water, care, scratches on the side of the neck, uh, a warm and cosy nest to sleep in, and, above all, a name. That's really sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Archimedes has found this uh, this person who's taken him in and given him food and a bed, and he's like, oh, this... This must be what hanging out with God feels like, which is fair enough, I suppose. If you're a pigeon, you don't really know any better. <laughs> and over time... Hanging out with God feels like. Yes. <laughs> just just being, like, mothered. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Being mothered, being looked after. I get food. I don't have to fight with the other pigeons for it. It's, it's, it's all good. Okay, so he meets the rest of the team. He meets the, uh, the engineer first. And he likes the engineer because 
let me just get to the bit because it is quite adorable this bit hang on meets the engineer uh, first his uh, his voice poured sweetly and gently like a pot of honey and his strangely shaped head was a very bright color of yellow so <laughs> archimedes like this because yeah he, he he likes this because he can sit on the engineer's shoulder and admire himself in the yellow shininess of the helmet <laughs> nice. which yeah he's a bird he just he just does this sort of thing and he sort of goes through the, uh, the the team. There's one member of the team who doesn't really like Archimedes uh, because whenever Archimedes passed his pride and out the gentleness of his heart, made attempts to engage the human with cheerful cooing, impressively swift flying or inviting ruffling of his soft feathers, the human would only glance at him strangely and eventually bark rudely, much like a wild dog would howl at a bothersome stray feline. Hmm. Hey, Doc, get your bird out of my face. I think that might be Scout. Oh. I could believe it. Yeah, I can believe that mm-hmm. from Scout. So, for all his virtues, Archimedes has always been less smart than he was curious. So, this is when he meets the sniper and discovers that the sniper has something which Archimedes thinks is a moving nest. Of course, it's the, the Land Rover I, that the sniper drives about in. I mean, snipers have nests. That's Well, yeah, that's this is it. It's not sort of like a particular leap that Archimedes has to make, but... Um, eventually he uh, lets curiosity get the better of him and starts sneaking into the van when the sniper's going out on missions and he discovers that the sniper drives to a secluded spot and parks up and then heads towards the noise of battle in the distance before returning and and sort of driving on, driving back to base. Until Mm -hmm. one day he doesn't. He takes a very long while to come back to his sniper's nest and it turns out that he's been by the looks of things shot in the torso not fatally but he is bleeding quite badly and it's the very first time that he noticed that Archimedes is there because Archimedes just forgets he's concerned about this uh, this human even though it's not his human Mm. he forgets abandons his hiding spot and flies onto the human shoulder it's at this point the sniper sort of reaches out to him to give him a, a scratch on the neck and then notices after the event that Archimedes is covered in blood. Not mm. not his own blood, as we'll find out, but this elicits concern from the sniper. They eventually drive back. It takes ages and ages and ages for, uh, for him to get back because he has to keep stopping, clutching his stomach, stealing himself. He's not, not a well man, is, uh, is our sniper. But uh, they eventually get back to the medic. They end up with the medic and... Uh, the sniper's concerned he says your bird i'm sorry he got into my van he shouldn't have it's not safe then he sort of asks will you work for him too medic is confused at this point and says her sniper archimedes is fine the blood on the feathers is yours <laughs> of oh, course so he's yeah. the sniper's concerned that's it he is concerned about the bird more than his own well-being oh of course, Archimedes has made a home for himself in among the team. I think he's as much of a member now as any of them. But yeah, it's uh, the, it 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 does end rather rather nicely. This fic. I've skipped over a lot of detail because I'd I'd implore you to go read it yourself. It's so mm-hmm. well written and very very sweet in places. Um, but yeah, it ends with uh, the human was silent for a long moment, then dropped his head into his hands, covered his face, and laughed. It came out frightening, rough around the edges, still very much like the bark of a hungry dog, but there was another quality to it that Archimedes couldn't quite place, one that set his heart at ease. He suddenly felt like he'd done something useful and mightily important, but he humbly set the feeling aside in his mind. 
deeming it only an aftertaste of his human's many great achievements, past and future. His human was a god, after all. That's adorable. It is. So... Oh. I guess that makes Archimedes an angel. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of a, a pretty close assessment, to be fair. But but yeah, I I yeah, found I that lovely. This. Yeah, I've I've skipped over a lot of detail, of course, because uh, as is with any of the fix, um, go read it. It's it's very sweet in places. Uh, it's nice to get a different perspective on what started as you're a sort of generic team shooter, but then became so much more with all the lore and stuff like that. So mm. yeah. It, it's fanfic doing what fanfic does best, I think. Yeah. I guess this takes us to the uh, the what have we learned today segment of the show. But I'm in awe at just how much heart there is in Team Fortress 2 and its fandom. Yeah, absolutely. Like, after 15, pushing 15 years at this point, mm. with a game that does not really contain a plot. Like, there are lore mentions within it, but... Ultimately, it's not a story game. It is. But even then, everyone's kind of fallen in love with the characters and, like, built this world. This is it. It's like, I mean, the fic I read, it does it does wonderfully what a lot of fanfic is all about, where there'll be main protagonist and the antagonist, and there'll be very various other sort of, like, side characters and minor characters, and then one author will stand up and they'll point to somebody absolutely inconsequential at the back of the room and say him i want to know more about him mm-hmm. and, and that's ex- flesh him out yeah that's exactly what happened with with archimedes i mean i don't think he's even in the comics is he he will be yeah he, he probably will be but like but not in great detail no yeah that's it we know that he's a pigeon and we know that his name is archimedes and ray clubs just went on to go yeah mm-hmm. i i want to flesh this character out and they did it super recently as well. Yeah. I just wonder, like, this this fic was written in uh, May 20th, which at the time of recording, roughly a month ago. Yeah, it does. At the time of our first attempt at recording, it was roughly three weeks ago. But <laughs> but yeah, the less said about that, the better now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm impressed that this fandom is so long-lived. I mean, when was Team Fortress uh, 2 released? 2007. Yeah, so it's... Bloody hell. Yeah. 15 years. It's an years. old game. <laughs> Yeah, 16 years, like, approaching its 20th anniversary. I might be making that up. It's around then. Let's have a look. I'll tell you what, I'll do a swift Google while we're here. Yeah, 10th of October, 2007. Oh, damn. So, hot dang. It's old enough to go drink in the park without their parents' approval. It's old enough to be known as Edge rather than Internet Explorer. Ooh. Which, oddly enough, is rather topical for this week, because that's another thing that was on my new computer. Internet Exploring? Yes. Nice. I mean, Edge, I think, was... it's relatively recent. Yeah, but still. I mean, it was Internet Explorer, a very, very old and basic version. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. But anyway, off that, this flick is delightful. Mm. I'm going to ask you guys, so what have we learned today? I, of course, mean, what have we learned today... And also last week when we recorded. Bonus points. <laughs> what can you remember from recording last session? <laughs> I learned I learned that there isn't a fandom out there which cannot be improved by a good heist. Absolutely. I also learned how difficult it is to drag a 14-year-old computer kicking mm-hmm. and screaming into the 2020s. I know, right? 
Um, aside from the technical difficulties, I I learned this fandom is a delight. Yeah. Oh, actually, I also learned something in between us recording this. Hold on, we were left a message on our Tumblr. Oh, okay. Do, 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 about Team Fortress. So this was not retweeted because it was Tumblr. Um, when they reblogged, they added a. When they reblogged the first episode in this series, they added, It was very fun to hear people less familiar with the fandom. P.S. You can tell Grace that plot hole is actually addressed in the comics. Oh, oh. my god. Do you remember the plot hole I'm talking about? Is This this is the eye. Yes, this, this is, is the eye. Demo's eye. So you said, why doesn't the medic just regrow um, the eye for Demo's, Demo's eye? eye? Yeah. Medic occasionally does try to fix Demo's eye, but his eye socket is cursed. <laughs> All new evil eyes turn evil and grow large enough that they are boss fights in the Halloween event. Yes. Because of yes. course. <laughs> that's that's excellent. So I had that heard is the so name fitting. Islander floated about. No. I didn't know what Islander oh. was. It is the cursed sword that Demo Man has. There can be only one. Yeah. <laughs> Referring to the eyes. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Oh. Oh, yeah, so the island... The, Demo Man has a sword called the Islander. It's cursed, and presumably that's why he can't grow a new eye, no matter how much Medic tries. <laughs> no wonder he's an alcoholic as well. It's just, he's cursed. Bro's cursed. I think cursed. I'd be an alcoholic too, if I was a cursed, one-eyed Scottish cyclops. Yeah, definitely. No offence to the Scottish. No offence to the Scottish. No. Or people with one eye. People have been alcoholics for a lot less. Exactly. I think. Oh, for sure. What is this? Yeah, this is a weird tangent. Let's walk away from this. Um, couldn't have got that in if it weren't for Nick's technical difficulties, so nice one, Nick. <laughs> you can thank my laptop for shitting the bed. You know what? Yeah, let's... It's let's now... one out for the laptop. Yeah, before... Do we have anything else to say about Team Fortress 2 before I dedicate this episode to Nick's laptop? <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, just very, very impressed at how vibrant and wholesome the fandom still is, even after mm-hmm. all these years. Speaking as somebody who used to be a Valve fanboy, so yes. loved Half-Life and Half-Life 2, but yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You might say this fandom has quite a long Half-Life. <laughs> what? It's get a the, physics joke and a Valve Get the joke. fuck out I don't have the IQ. So, isotopes are red... Yeah, the, the lifespan of radiation is measured in Half-Lifes. Right. And Half-Life is a game that Valve made alongside Team Fortress 2. Yes. Crowbars and Gordon Freeman and headcrabs. It was a very terrible joke. <laughs> I feel like anyone involved with that area of science had to be edgy as fuck. Like, Geiger oh, counters have no fucking reason to sound as eerie as they need to. I'm sure there probably is a reason behind the menacing clicks of a Geiger counter. It's probably I mean, yeah. the same reason why but... tornado sirens are terrifying. Because they, they make you sit up and listen. Yeah. Isn't it like the sound but of the radiation you... coming into the box? Yeah, every click is a an ionising event yeah. uh, in, in the detector, so oh, yeah. Right, hold on. <laughs> brief ta- brief ed- Look, I accidentally put us in the educational section on podcasts. We do have to end with a fact, so... It's our obligation, is Oh, it? you... No. You shouldn't take anything we say seriously or as fact. Why on earth well, this did you put us in the be. educational um, system? Hmm. 
the only thing we educated that is that ignorance is real. Like, <laughs> fuck. We're an example of not of what not to listen to. The ionized gas conducts electricity, causing a pulse of current to travel from the wire to the outer shell of the tube, and that's the clicking sound. There we go. Is this Wikipedia? Uh, yeah. yeah. So well, no, it's, should... it's the Google answer bit. You know, when you ask a question in oh. Google, there's like the people also ask oh. bit. I see. Okay. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Still, still creepy, but okay. It is definitely a creepy. They probably could have made it less creepy, but they decided, they you know what? This is beeps. metal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, but Half-Life's, really? Yeah. They could have called it anything else. They could have named it after the guy who discovered it, like they usually fucking do, because mm. they're, like, self-entitled, but no. Wait. <laughs> Was no, this something I... Mary Curie discovered, and they were like, nah, we're not naming it after a woman? No, it's... Uh, okay, so the, uh... ha- the Half-Life is the time taken for the material to decay to half its original mass. Oh, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's why okay, they called it so, the Half-Life, yeah. So it would be the life of whatever material. Yeah, this is it, yeah. Oh, okay, that's less creepy. I'm not scared of it now. Okay. Radiation, I do not fear you anymore. <laughs> no, no, fear it. Chris, you're the one who told a, a trainee at work to put a spoon in the microwave. Oh, wait, I need to take a photo of that new microwave we've got because there is actually a picture, and I shit you not, and it came out the box. You open the door, and there is a picture just on the thing that has a picture of a cup with nothing in it and a big X through it, and then there's one next to it that also has a picture of a cup, but this time it's got a spoon next to it, and that isn't crossed out. So you're telling Make me you should put a spoon in the microwave? That is no. what sticker looks like. And I, I will take a photo of it. Oh, please do. I'll put it on our Tumblr. It. Yeah, because like the, the one that did not die, the new one, is is going to make fools of someone. <laughs> but not me. <laughs> as a reminder, follow us on our Tumblr, as a side note. Don't put metal spoons. And don't put metal spoons in microwaves, like the apprentice that Grace tricked into doing just that. He's more of a trainee and he was already, like, not long for this world. He didn't die. You make it sound like he's dead. No, he just he just, uh, quit. Is that the one that broke all the bones in his hand you were telling me about the other day? No, no, that's a different idiot. Okay. I feel like Grace works at either red or blue, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. Considering the shenanigans that happen. The shenanigans are more James Bond tech department. So Grace was telling me on Saturday about a trainee who put his hand in one of those compression um, bags. Vacuum seal bag. Vacuum seal bag. And it just broke all the bones in his hand. Well, it broke a couple of bones in his hand uh, and then it was starting to crush the, the two bones in his arm together. Because that's where you put it, and of course, obviously, like the blood and everything was was getting was getting bad. I guess uh, they didn't actually put that much pressure on it. But if it had been full pressure that our very weak system allows, it would have been mess. I guess I'm saying the apprentices at your work behave as if there is a medic with a magic gun that can fix everything. Yeah, in they, your office. We, we don't they even be- have a proper fire alarm. And you don't even have a proper fire alarm. Yeah. They behave as if they can respawn. Yes, they yeah. do. Yeah. Oh, heck. <laughs> Good luck to them. <laughs> Talking of things that haven't respawned, I'd like to dedicate this episode to Nick's laptop. Um, <laughs> served us for three years before it gave up. 
yeah, we, we had a good run. It was my mum's work laptop for years before I owned it. Mm -hmm. And then it became mine and became one of our little sort of mobile recording studios. So, yeah, yeah. rip in peace. Rip May in peace. Rust in peace. To I'll be put buried. some sad music on in the background. That's it. It's awaiting burial in the bottom of the cupboard. And I've written, <laughs> and now my watch has ended across the cover. Oh. oh, my God. What was it the Curiosity Rover said? The one that makes me cry. Goodbye. My batteries are empty and it's getting dark. Yeah, that's yeah. sad. It is. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. He was on his own on Mars. Oh, my Poor God. Poor lad. Robot. Bring him home. What is this fix about the Curiosity Rover? Oh, there will be oh without a doubt. God. There was fan art about the Curiosity was. Rover. You don't hear about Beagle 2, though. <laughs> Do you want to tell that story? <laughs> no, that's for another time. Too funny. <laughs> cool. No, because that could get people in trouble. Yes, yes, it fucking can. Okay, well, oh, so I'm using this tablet here, and it doesn't have haptic feedback, and it's very slow. <laughs> I think I'm the one with the slowest device now that Nick's laptop has passed away. Yep, welcome to my world. Martian oh, Rover. <laughs> so you know there's a uh, real person fic. The tag R R P F. Is there an R F R R F? R R F is yes. how this was tagged. Martian Rovers R R F. <laughs> Real robot fix. Real robot fix. Brilliant. Oh my god. That's adorable. There are eighty-five works in Mars Perseverance Rover Anthropomorphic. Excellent. That's adorable. Hmm. Mars Rovers fandom. Oh, 156 in Space Vehicles, Anthropomorphic. Oh, these are, these are your people, James. These are your people. 100%. I think they are. Especially these are also the people that cried when they the, 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 the rover said it was getting dark. That is sad. <laughs> I'm very curious about this fic that contains both anthropomorphic space vehicles and Harry Styles. Oh my god, how is he getting... He gets everywhere. Oh, the tags. Curiosity is Zayn Malik, and Stomper is Harry Styles. We're going to have to look into this, aren't we? I think we are. <laughs> I love the idea of not only making the Mars rovers real, but putting, trapping the souls of members of One Direction within the Mars rovers. <laughs> this feels like an anime. <laughs> it does. Help, it I've does been reincarnated as the Mars rover. <laughs> Popular idol gets trapped into an, into a Gundam, but a low budget one. It's just you a know research. What? If you told me that was team. the twist at the end of Oshinoko, I'd believe you. Ah, that shit's been weird. That is that was too weird to watch. Okay, we're gonna call it there. <laughs> no, sorry, one more. Um, I just saw this fic. It's called Space Lesbians brackets not Shira. <laughs> well, who else are there? There's got to be other space lesbians out there. I mean, I'm sure there are, but like it's, fucking name It's one. a big universe. Oh, the, the ladies from Gundam the Witch of Mercury. Oh, yeah. Jazdia Dax from Deep Space Nine. Um, oh, who's she paired with? Oh, I've actually forgotten the name of Jazdia's wife. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that they're not that famous, are they? No, that's fair. Everyone's gay on Deep Space Nine, to be fair. <laughs> it's just their thing. Captain Marvel, oh, yeah. I mean, she, oh, no, she's bi. Hang on, yeah. Oh, um, space lesbians. Other oh, space les You know what? If you can think of any other space lesbians that we've forgotten, why not write in to the fanshipping forecast at gmail.com? Hmm. Oh, Thank you for sticking with us if you've made it this far. 
and um yeah join us next time i'm feeling i'm feeling anime next time i don't know what about you guys oh i don't really know why who are you thinking of? spy family oh spy family yeah yeah we can we can do an anime if you want okay i mean we haven't done any anime yet and we're halfway through the year so yes bad time really oh, oh bloody feel, hell how did we let that i know right? <laughs> i feel well we did um we did avatar which is halfway to anime yeah, it's like a western, yeah. a westernized anime. anime yeah, exactly. Yeah. Supergirl, there's your space lesbian. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Right. <laughs> it's been fun. If you enjoyed the show, best way to support us is to tell your friends. If you really like us, you can join our Patreon. You get to hang out on our Discord, and you get to see us post fix as we're reading them. So you get a sneak peek of what's going to come up in the episode. I tend to post the episode immediately as soon as it's edited or within the Discord, so you get early access, which is generally a week ahead. Less it so won't be this there's time. Been, there's been so much chaos in my life, to be fair. So even if you hadn't, Nick, it would have taken me time. Yeah, fair enough. All the car buying and sorting life out has mm. taken precedent a bit. I'm still trying to get the schedule back on track. We'll get there, especially with my uh, my new rig. Oh, so. you're offering to edit? No. <laughs> never again we've been over this <laughs> i know <laughs> um but yeah thank you for listening and uh join us next time good night good, good night, night.